0: You're listening to Brave New Space. I'm Robert. I'm Keegan. And we're going to share with you all things new space and beyond. Why we started this podcast. Brave New Space is about sharing insights and perspectives on the business and commerce of all things space to global investors and entrepreneurs. And we want to encourage more investors, entrepreneurs, and policymakers to consider participating in this space renaissance. And
1: welcome back to Brave New Space, where today we are coming back with Megan Crawford for part two of our interview with her, where she's going to get to tell us a little bit more about what she's doing with her Mission Eve podcast and trying to open up the space sector to more women. So welcome back, Megan.
2: Great to be here. Thank you. So, Megan,
0: why Mission Eve? Love the name.
2: Thanks. I have to give credit where credit is due. On, on a previous episode, we mentioned my marketing firm, Brand Delta V, and it was actually my business partner over there who helped me come up with the amazing name for the podcast. So, thank you, Jeff Valentine. So, this is a an idea that's been kind of brewing in in my head for a while. One of the things that, after having been in this industry for a number of years, that that I noticed happening time and time again is that I would frequently be the only woman in the room whether that was an event with lots of people or a high-level business meeting or whatever the case may be, I was, I was frequently the only woman. And, and sometimes people were surprised that there was a woman in the room. And of course, you know, diversity matters. Diversity is important for, for companies for a lot of reasons, and we can get into some great statistics around that. But really for me, my life goal is the long-term permanent human settlement of space, And in order for that to happen, realistically, we need 51% women just from a biological perspective. And you can tell me all day that, oh, people will reproduce by in vitro fertilization and we'll have test tube babies by then. No, 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 no. People are going to want to reproduce in the traditional way. Okay. (laughs) And just for a society to be functioning appropriately, um, you need, you need a balance, right? You need a balance of, of all types of things, but especially that good male to female ratio. And, Right now, when you look around the industry, only 25% of the aerospace industry are women. And worse than that, only 11% of the people who have been to space have been women. So right now, we're at 11% of space explorers have been women. And if we want human settlements in space to be a thing, we need to get to 51%. So that's a pretty significant gap. So how do we bridge that gap? And in, in talking to women and in my own experience as a woman and talking to women in and outside of the industry, what I was finding over and over again is that women just didn't see themselves in this industry. And, mm. and for a couple of reasons, one, there's a, there's a common misconception amongst men and women that in order to be involved in this industry, you have to be a rocket scientist or an engineer. Well, in this new era of the space industry where we have uh, an overabundance of startups in some sectors and not quite enough startups in others, but more and more companies developing in the industry, any skill set that you have that's valuable to a business is now applicable to space. So you don't have to be a rocket scientist or an engineer. So that's that's the number one misconception that we're we're trying to break through. And then, you know, the kind of number two issue is women just not seeing themselves in the industry, not seeing representatives that they could look up to. And so, Mm -hmm. um, so the Mission Eve podcast is really about reaching out to women and letting them know, one, there's a place for you here and your skill sets, whatever they are, are valuable and needed for the industry and, and for human expansion into space overall. And number two, giving people role models and examples by telling the stories of the women who are already trailblazing this industry. And so on the podcast, each episode, I interview a different woman from a different background, different walk of life, different type of career and yes, we have interviewed some some scientists and engineers, but we've also interviewed uh, business development experts and teachers, and you know people from kind of all different aspects of the business. So we're hoping going to provide a really fun and unique perspective for women in the industry. And as kind of a, a an interesting little aside in some age groups and categories, we have about 50% men listeners. And so what I'm finding as the podcast goes on is that men are really enjoying it as well because they're learning this different perspective that maybe women aren't always forthcoming about their perspective on being a woman in the industry. And so for men to hear that, um, they're finding it extremely valuable learning more about their colleagues in that way.
1: Now, we're all too intimately familiar these days of the culture of toxicity that tends to exist in STEM as a whole. Would you say that not only that extends to the aerospace industry, but is there anything particularly unique about to the aerospace industry
2: in that regard? That's a great question. And one that I frequently ask my podcast guests is, you know, have you had any experiences in the industry that, are, you know, has being a woman been more difficult, do you think? Right. And we talk about that a lot and, and some people have some, some really not nice stories Mary Lynn Dittmar tends to solve this problem with uh, with comedy. so she has some really funny stories um, uh, related to to this topic.
0: I, I think I heard that one where she's on at a at a board meeting. I won't give it away. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's a see the episode, folks. Yeah. <laughs> but we've also seen some outright horror stories from people in the industry. I won't name names, but like the amount of the amount of stuff that is, not bordering on criminal behavior and assault, but, you know, way, way past the line is stomach churning from where I've seen.
2: I agree. And we fortunately live in an environment now where people feel comfortable calling people out on that. You know, for so long, it was just swept under the rug or ignored, or the woman was told, don't tell anybody because it'll make you look bad. Fortunately, that dynamic in, in, our, entire, in our entire culture has changed. So I I think that 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 in and of itself has made a big difference. But what's been really kind of heartwarming to me as I've gone through these interviews and gone through this first season is that most of the women, while they do have some examples of some specific things or one or two kind of bad actors that, you know, have made an impression, Mm -hmm. for the most part, things have gotten better. And those women who have been in the industry for 10, 20, 30 years can look back and objectively say, yes, it's different now. It is much better now. And those women who have only been in the industry for a few years have less and less of those stories to tell. So I am seeing a very, you know, positive, progressive change in the industry towards being more inclusive of women. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, all the the men that are listening to our podcast and the men who come up to me at conferences and comment about how great it is. I think that there's a great concern about this topic amongst men and women and I'm seeing more and more men becoming champions of making sure that women are given everything that they need to succeed in the work environment and this is coming from all levels of industry you know you know right from the top all the way down to the bottom so I think it's an exciting time to be talking about this because we are in a time of change that I think is very positive for everybody.
1: And it is worth mentioning uh, to kind of play up why, you know, from uh, my side of the table, why uh, more and more guys are probably getting involved in this and are so supportive of it is that that culture of toxicity cuts both ways. The, the absolute worst elements of toxic masculinity ultimately are kind of only maintain their power by making sure that. Well-meaning guys are essentially you know, accomplices by inaction, I suppose, is the best way to describe that. And now that we are starting to push more towards uh, being able to have this, hey, see something, say something uh, attitude towards bad behavior, more and more guys want to encourage that because we don't want to live in a wor- world where the worst among us are the ones calling the shots.
2: Exactly. And, you know, most men have wives, sisters, mothers, <laughs> right? They don't want to see this happening to their to their friends and family. And so mm. um again this this kind of change in culture we've had over recent years where you see something say something and and that extending to everybody, I think is is really positive overall. But I also think that this is something that's been building for for a generation or more as more and more women have entered the workforce and I find that that kind of old guard that has the the old attitude are retiring, being pushed out, their opinions aren't being listened to anymore. Mm. And that most of the generations that are that are currently in the workforce do have a positive outlook on diversity. The problem that we find in the space industry, and I hear this all the time from CEOs, especially the CEOs of a lot of the startups we talk to. They say I want to hire women, but I can't find any. Where are they? Right? I had a hundred applications and only two were women. And we interviewed both of them and they both took jobs other places because women are in such high demand in this industry. Right? So that's, that's really where we're seeing the gap right now is not that people want to hire, don't want to hire women. They do not that these environments aren't healthy for women. They are. It's that there's not enough women to fill the roles. And so mm. that's one of the things that we're hoping Mission Eve can can help solve is by by you know women are just as inspired by space as men are it's not a male female thing it's you know it's there's just as many yeah. uh, females who are who are into space and and geeky sci-fi and all the rest but it's how do you communicate with them that one there's a place for them here in the industry two
1: that the industry is welcoming to them and, and three that their skill sets transfer and I think uh, the point you made earlier about how a lot of the problem is that it is, it is just you know seen in general as a very STEM-heavy industry that a lot of great talent coming from the business development and legal side might be getting kind of left by the wayside here. And as you said, and as you said in a previous episode, there's 2,000-plus space companies out there. Who are handling everything under the sun, some aren't even touching stem with a ten foot pole. And that's just space startups. That doesn't include your your medium and large
2: enterprises. If we were to include those, oh, there'd be knowledge. even more thousands, right? Oh, and
0: yeah. government labs and agencies. I think the industry and and I'm sure the, the large incumbents are, are, are I know are already doing this, but they have to be talking to when it comes to employment development to kids as soon as, you know, probably junior high.
1: Oh, yeah, get them young.
0: Because at a certain point, if you know even high school might be too late, because there's lots of options. So explaining to kids, boys and girls that you know space is an exciting, cool industry. it's actually very interdisciplinary, and there's a lot of different ways to be involved.
1: And Robert, you hit the nail right on the head there. So we've kind of been dancing around the problem of uh, why the actual STEM field, it's so hard to find, you know, women to fill these roles. It's not because there aren't qualified women out there. It's just that numerically, they make up a fairly small percentage of the population. One of my first jobs in this business, before I was actually in this business, was I was working in the recruitment office for my university, Edward Riddle. And one of the main things I did was just going over demographic data of people we were bringing in so we could know, you know, just what we all had in terms of students. And we considered it a banner year, the year before I graduated, that we had that the incoming class was 25% women which made the total population of the school, I think, around 17%. From what I gather, it's actually climbed pretty close to 30% now, but that's still really, really low. And this is a university with an extremely high attrition rate uh, as well. So,
2: And when I was doing my MBA at Rice, they were so thrilled. They had almost 30% women in the business administration you know, master's degree. And uh, that's that was very rare at that time. Um so so even outside of STEM um when you get into you know well and I was getting a degree in finance which math is basically you know is the M yeah. but but still the, even within the business fields you find you know not nearly as many women as you do men in a lot of those business roles as well.
1: Right. And going back to Robert's point about getting them in high school we saw that really come through in Spades when we looked at a lot of uh, at any communities that really were pump just pumping money into their STEM programs at a high school level. Arizona had an entire string of charter schools where the graduating class of women was like pushing upwards of 40%. So again, we're not where we need to be. Not even close in my mind. But we're definitely getting closer all the time. And it is ultimately just going to be a matter of time.
2: Well, and I would never want to discourage woman, a woman from going into the a STEM field of her choice. Like I said, I'm my degree's in finance. I'm in math. I'm technically a STEM person as well. But we do need to understand that STEM isn't necessarily right for all women.
1: Right. And it's not the whole ballgame for the industry.
2: And it's not necessarily right for all men either, right? And so I'm a big fan of not trying to fit a square peg into a round hole, right? Absolutely. If you don't want to go into science or technology or engineering or math, great. Do what makes you happy. But there's still a
1: place for you in space. Absolutely. In fact, if you want to become a machinist, welder, or please, a tool and diamond person, please? <laughs> we're, we're, they're literally dying? We, we don't have enough of them?
2: Well, and even even fields like psychology and teaching, which are typically very female-heavy fields... There are a Absolutely. lot of opportunities in, in those realms within the space industry as well. We mentioned Dr. Marilyn Dentmar. Her PhD is 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 in psychology and human factors. And so, you know, and she's had an incredibly successful career in the space industry in NASA, Boeing, and and now where she works at the Coalition for Deep Space Exploration. And so, you know, it doesn't have to be a STEM field. Follow your interest, follow what's exciting to you. And I guarantee you, there's a place that that overlaps with the space ecosystem where you can add value.
0: Megan, so why do businesses today perform better with an increased percentage of women employed in the ranks?
2: Yeah, there have been, that's a great question. Thank you for asking. There have been a lot of studies about this. And the the general thought is that a diversity of opinion makes companies perform better as far as the exact mechanics of of why they perform better um that's kind of fuzzy that they, you know it's still trying to be determined but there are some statistics that say you know there's a there's a 2015 report from McKinsey that said that companies with the most women directors on their board outperformed those companies with the least women directors by 26% which is huge In the UK, in the same McKinsey study, greater gender diversity on the senior executive team corresponded to a 10%. Each 10% increase in gender diversity, earnings before interest and taxes rose by 3.5%. So this is a direct correlation. A 10% increase in gender diversity on the executive team, it raises your your earnings by 3.5%. I mean, what an easy thing for companies to do to increase their yeah.
1: earnings, right? Like, um, like, if they can't be asked to do the right thing, then, you know, be asked to do the th- thing you're supposed to do when you're a greedy bastard. I mean, just- <laughs> right. So, you know, and
2: so there's there's a lot of research that's coming out that's showing that gender diversity and and cultural diversity as well do have significant positive impact on the bottom line. Because you're getting a diversity of opinion, you're not just, um, you know, preaching to the choir, as they say, you're getting people who are going to challenge the, the traditions and, and the mores of the company and, and look for new ways to make money and look for new ways to innovate, because they're coming from different perspectives. And again, most companies, especially the, the, the larger companies, they know this, they understand this. And, and the gap isn't in, in wanting to change this. The gap is in how do they change it? And mm-hmm. so, you know, coming back to it again, that's, that's really the purpose of Mission Eve is to, to let the women of Earth know that space needs women.
0: I'm I'm curious Megan thank you for sharing that are you all do you do you know if you're getting listeners outside of the United States
2: We are and you know this first season we've done kind of all out of pocket all with our you know using our own networks for marketing we haven't we haven't really had a budget of any sort so um notice uh, and this is a notice to the aerospace companies we will be coming after you for sponsorship in the near future <laughs> um <laughs> so we have been growing our our audience very organically with our own networks and we are starting to reach outside of the u.s interestingly enough and in, in a lot of the same hot spots that that i mentioned on the previous episode where we're seeing a good space startup activity such as luxembourg germany the uk Australia. Yeah, you know, and of course, these are English speaking or nations where people okay. mostly speak English as well, which the podcast is in English. So that makes a difference.
1: Was there any region that kind of surprised you that you were getting a decent number of viewers out of?
2: No, actually, I was I was pleasantly or, you know, just kind of satisfactorily uh, surprised by the map when we did the final statistics after the first season that it looks very much like the map of, of where space companies exist. <laughs> but what we're really hoping to do in future seasons and and with some some sponsorship and support is is do some outreach to those places that are not typically space places right we you know we want uh, little girls in ohio to be listening to this just as much as you know teenagers in africa right so mm-hmm. we're really hoping to expand in in the coming years and and do some outreach into some of those non-traditional aerospace regions to to really help draw in more people to the industry.
1: And if we're lucky, those non-traditional aerospace regions might become traditional aerospace regions if uh, enough people get on board.
0: There you go. Well, Megan, thank you so much for, for joining us uh, a second time on Brave New Space. I want to share with my audience again that we've had the founder and host of Mission Eve the podcast Megan Crawford and and that podcast has been uh, brought together with from our from our friends at the uh, Center for Space Commerce and Finance a good group there. So Megan what are, what is the what is the preferred way if there are any for people to uh, check out the podcast.
2: Great question, thanks for asking. We are on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, Libsyn, just about anywhere you can find podcasts,
0: you should be able to find Mission Eve. Fantastic. I want to thank my co-host, Keegan Kirkpatrick, and this is Robert Jacobson. And thank you so much, Megan. Absolutely. Hi, listener. My new book, Space is Open for Business, is coming out soon. And I want you to get a sneak preview of it. Head on over to my website, robertjacobson.com for a first look. Thank you for listening to Brave New Space. This is Robert and Keegan.